0: The biggest fear I had was having my second because I was an only child and I didn't know how I could possibly love another child as much as I loved my oldest. And I felt bad because I didn't want to divide my love and give her less of it. And it turns out, like, the love does not divide, it just grows. And you will love this new person as much. But also in a different way, because they are a different person, but you will like feel this like overwhelming love and and it doesn't it doesn't take and it doesn't detract.
1: Shalom and welcome to Mammish, the oi and joy of family. I am Lori Fine Ramirez here to bring you laughs, stories, and a little away wisdom for fellow travelers in this wild parenting journey where our community and our traditions are our greatest guides. I am super excited today to be here with author Bethany Mandel to talk about her life as a homeschooling mom to two daughters and four sons. Bethany, welcome to Momish. Thank you
0: so much for having me.
1: I'm really happy to have you here. So you're someone who's written quite a lot about the impact of culture on kids. And I'm wondering if you could say a few words about what you think of as your role as a parent. What do you think of as what you're really trying to accomplish with your kids? So it's a good
0: question. So I think it's totally separate from kind of like the political view of of the book that I wrote called Stolen Youth, but I sort of see my role as an individual parent shepherding, you know, the lives of my six children. So we are homeschoolers, and the philosophy that we follow in our homeschooled is called it's named after a long-dead English woman named Charlotte Mason. And Mason. Probably most famously says children are born persons, it just means like when they come out, they are people. You have to sort of treat them as individuals worthy of respect and shepherding. And so I sort of see my children, you know, as they've grown, it's been such a joy and a privilege to watch their personalities develop, but they are truly born persons. And so my job, I believe, as a parent, is to help them become the best versions of themselves that they can be. And, you know, it's sort of a question of like, you know, what is education? What is all these things? And I think it's the point of all of it is for you to just sort of have the biggest basket of tools possible as you step out into the world. And, you know, you're able to sort of to handle anything that life throws at you.
1: I love it. I love it. I wonder if I am understanding you right when you say born persons, do you mean that they're beyond just obviously that they're people worthy of respect, which I 100% agree and I feel like one of the most important parts that has really helped me as a parent is thinking of them as people. Not little people, not people who don't have the same needs. I mean, when I'm thinking of how a kid acts, clearly they're different than adults and they deserve to be treated differently than adults as age appropriate. But on the other hand, a lot of times I would say to my husband, well, listen, if you can have a bad day and be in a bad mood and need me to leave you alone for a little while while you chill out and have a beer Mm -hmm. or you know, relax for a bit before you feel like talking about something, then my kid can also also feel that way sometimes. And
0: yeah, your two-year-old is also entitled to a beer and a break.
1: Right. I mean, sometimes I feel like we expect children when we want them to behave, we expect so much of them at every moment as though they're not little individuals with their own little emotions that are going and constantly needing. They're not on our time schedule. That's for sure. How much do you feel? Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I mean, I so I, I think that we have to toe this like very careful line between allowing children to rule the house and letting their emotions control us. There was this New York Mag piece that just came out, and the the author said, you know, I don't I don't ever want to deny my children anything because I'm afraid of them being fat because I don't want to receive this fat phobic, and so if they want to eat an entire box of Oreos in one sitting, I will give them a glass of milk and say, have at it. There's Difference between be doing that detrimental to them both physically and emotionally to never hear the word no and to not have limits set there's a limit between that and you know respecting the fact that like girl just woke up on the wrong side of the bed today and she <laughs> just needs a break and so it's it's a tough line to to draw and you know we are born persons, too, and sometimes we are not perfect, and, and that's also... Um, really? You know, You're not perfect all the time? In. It's shocking, I know.
1: But <laughs> I'm not, not going to
0: own that. <laughs> <laughs> six kids How? and working as much as I do, uh, it's, not, it's not great
1: sometimes. I tell my kids... Probably every day. Look, mommy's a person too. Sometimes I need a play mm-hmm. date. Sometimes I need a break. Sometimes I make mistakes too. That's just part of the package. We're all human. So I feel like that has helped me a lot because a lot of the problems that parents face and the challenges and the sort of angst of being a parent could be reduced if people didn't hold themselves to a level of perfection that no one is possible to reach. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. This, like,
0: I mean, no one uses it anymore. I feel like, but this like Pinterest parenting, like everything has to be perfect. And I, I, I consider myself a pronatalist. I think that everyone needs to have more children, and more children are delightful. And one child is not five times easier than five children. In I other care, words, it gets on. easier as um, you go along. Not necessarily. I mean, I think that you know, I have six, and so I, I hear so much from people who have two kids. I could not handle this at three times harder. I'm like, it's not three times harder for me. It's not, it's not, the math doesn't work that way. I think that people expect close to perfection and that's why they're scared off of having five, six kids because they think I can't do this times six and you're right. You can't, you have to, you have to give yourself a break. You have to be willing sometimes to give yourself, you know, cereal and milk for dinner sometimes or to stop at I don't know I mean what's the uh, kosher equivalent I mean we have Ben Yehuda here but like sometimes like Ben Yehuda for dinner just has to happen is that the pizza place in our yeah and sometimes like in our family like sister wears the same pants four days in a row and like when was the last time everyone bathed who can really tell and like you have to just like (laughs) you have to be okay with that I, and it is
1: okay you are clearly a woman after my own heart and you know i do feel that one of the things i've enjoyed about focusing on larger families is that you sort of see what the priorities have to be and you yes. have to set you don't necessarily have to set priorities sort of ab initio like looking for it oh let's think about what are my priorities but ultimately your priorities do get narrowed and maybe in retrospect, you can sort of see what you did prioritize because yeah. you can't do everything. You realize it's impossible to do everything I mean, and not even t- it's not even good to do everything ultimately.
0: I can tell you that keeping our, our home prim and proper not a priority in our house. It was not a priority when we had one kid and it is definitely not a priority with six. <laughs> right. And I like, I'm like fairly unapologetic about it. And I think that, you know, people just need to be more unapologetic. Like, all right. Just, here we are. It is what right. it is. Take it
1: or leave it. Okay. So, well, now talking about what isn't your priority neatness, everyone showering daily. Great. What are your priorities? What right. do you think awesome. is the most important? <laughs> <laughs> So I don't sound great. So I will say. Not at all. I totally think you sound great. I'm way with you.
0: (laughs) So priorities in our house are school because we homeschool. And so we have to, we have to make that on our priority list and food. Honestly, my kids actually, you know, as, as I joke about like, you know, cereal for dinner and Ben Yehuda for lunch, we actually do eat very well. And my kids, you know, we, we have a real proper meal every single night for the most part. Even when I'm like two days postpartum. Uh, and lunches too. I mean, do we like, do we all have a sweet tooth? Yes. Did we all go to the dentist on Friday and have a clean, no cavities? Yes, we did. I'm so happy. Mazel um, to- I, I know. It's really exciting. And we, mo- so for the most part, so a lot of what I prioritize is like a reflection of my own childhood in a good way, in a bad way. And so, um, on the, in the case of dental hygiene, my mom was afraid to ever put me in a position where I felt physically uncomfortable and like, a mom has to do that sometimes. Like, sometimes things hurt. Sometimes things are unpleasant. And it was funny. I was, I was following this woman, following her on Instagram, just completely voyeuristically. And she's trying to get blood cord blood drawn to test her child for something. And I, she's going on and on about the difficulty of trying to talk to the OB and talk to the pediatrician. And how do I get this order drawn before the child is born? And how logistically it sounds actually very complicated. And she did this in box and someone said, why can't you just do a blood draw after the birth. And I had assumed that it was specific to cord blood, that you could only test the cord blood. And then it turned out it's not specific to the cord blood. And she's like, I just don't want to put him through that. I'm like, you don't want to put him through a blood test. That's why you're spending all of this emotional and mental energy trying to get this drawn from the cord when... He could just get a blood draw. And this is not something that he needs to know before he has children. Like he has 20 years before. There will be a point in which he gets his blood drawn in the next 20 years before he starts thinking about having children himself, that he can find out if he has this genetic marker that you have. And so she's just so anxious about causing him any physical discomfort whatsoever that she's like spending all of her mental and emotional energy. And so my mother was very similar. She never wanted to bring me to the dentist. She was not great about keeping me up to date on my vaccinations. When I was an adult, I had to get like polio. Um, and and so when I finally went to the dentist, when I was like 12 years old, I I had to get like a bazillion tea fillings. And like my entire molar, all my molars are basically now to have crowns and root canals and the whole thing. There's reticence about causing me any physical discomfort actually caused me a great deal more (laughs) physical discomfort down the line so i'm like a little ocd about doing regular dental i mean this is the big
1: lesson in life right if you don't take care of it it gets worse that's definitely a big lesson for children yeah And home maintenance, which I'm not as good about as I am with children.
0: (laughs) So anyway, so what are my priorities? That was a really super long winded answer. So my priorities are we eat, we take care of our bodies. Basically is the answer we eat. Well, uh, we get out, we get a lot of fresh air and we, you know, I'm very good about getting my kids to the doctor and the dentist on time. We don't miss well visits. So, you know, is our house. Perfectly straight. No, it is not. But my kids, I mean, also physical health, like your body health, I consider your mind part of that. And so my kids are read to and read constantly. Our life, part of the problem of our home being so messy is that we have books everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool. I like that.
1: All right well i have like a bunch of different reactions and questions about a lot of things that you said and it's funny you reminded me of when you were talking about parents who don't attend to their kids needs because they're so worried about causing them some kind of pain and i think that often applies emotionally as well as in terms of physical Mm-hmm. Uh, interventions. You know, I just, I think back to one of the best pieces of parenting advice I ever got when I had just had my first kid and a friend of mine from my law firm came and he had just had his third. And at the time we happened to be talking about like, should we give them a pacifier? Or should we not? If you give it to them, how hard is it to take it away? So okay. anyway, we were talking about this and the, my friend said, you know what? You do it, you don't do it, whatever. There is no habit that A hard-hearted parent can't cure his kid of in two or three days if you're willing to let them whine about it and i thought Mm -hmm. that was fantastic advice because it's really so true you know they get over things pretty quickly once you make the decision it's the going back and forth that creates like eons of whining but if you make a decision and you're like you know what we used to do this now we're doing that no more this they they might whine or cry about it for a bit but and they they move on. They're very much accepting of reality, I find, for little kids, more so than adults, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. little. I was about to say, like, I mean, the saying is very true. Little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Right. No, I, I, have, I have friends who have put off being more authoritarian with their little kids because they don't want to be a mean mommy. And I'm like, girl, you are putting yourself in store for so much more misery when they're teenagers because you have established that – they they have an equal say in your house, and that's not going to feel great when you are fighting with a sixteen year old versus like a four year old. And I like I I have a girlfriend whose kid like sh- he'll throw a just total tantrum, kicking and screaming and yelling, and I'm like, girl, you got to nip that in the bud because that is going to look real bad when he's sixteen.
1: Right. Right, once they get bigger than you, it makes it so much yeah. harder to put up with it.
0: Yeah, you gotta yeah. establish that upper hand now.
1: Right, well, I also feel that one of the things that I always prioritized with my own kids was if you're gonna have a tantrum, look, anybody can have a tantrum. Like we were saying before, anybody can be in a bad mood. A tantrum is a tantrum. However, you don't have to have your tantrum imposed on the whole world. So if my kid yeah. had a tantrum, I. We go to the car or we go to another Mm -hmm. room and we do not make it. uh, Oh my gosh. I remember having Shabbat guests one time and their kid was having a tantrum and they're like, oh, we're just going to let him cry it out. I was like, well, that's very nice for you. But the other 20 people who are sitting here really don't feel like having him cry it out. Can you have him cry it out at your house? So, so
0: so I, I will, I'll push back a little bit on that. So I. I think it's better to do that than to just say okay i'll give you this extra brownie so that you'll shut up and not disrupt this whole table i given the choice between saying like let him scream and i don't care and like i'll just give him whatever he wants
1: well i'm not saying give him whatever he wants i'm saying that it's that in that particular case i think the mom wanted to have a good time at the shabbat meal and she would rather stay put than discipline her own child and i kind of objected to that because i had just spent the last two days shopping and cooking and cleaning and getting ready to have a meal and i didn't really feel like having it ruined because she didn't feel like missing 10 minutes of it until her kid calmed down but
0: yeah i i mean i i've left i've had a kid throw a tantrum in a supermarket before and i will leave them in that aisle and walk away and i'll be like (laughs) i'll meet you in the bakery section when you've when you've gathered yourself because i'm not doing this and i i like i've gotten like I mean, people have like confronted me, like you left your child. I'm like, "Mm, yes, I can hear that. I can hear that (laughs) I've left them. I know exactly where they are. But They're safe. No one will steal
1: them in this condition. Right. (laughs) No one wants that. I can tell you that.
0: And there's one exit.
1: Right. I'm I'm good. I
0: feel good. But I'm, and this was actually, you know, I, I think all, all, A lot For a lot of people, all of our parenting decisions are either an embrace or a rejection of how we were parented. And in this case, it is a total embrace. If I threw a tantrum, that was the guaranteed way for me not to get what I wanted and not to get it ever again. Like if I threw a tantrum about getting M&Ms at the supermarket, there would never be M&Ms in my future ever again. I would never see another M&M in my life. And I think that was good. It set very clear boundaries, and I was, you know, if I, like, even so much as, like, started moving towards a tantrum, my mom was like, oh, you know where this ends, and I'm like, "Mm, yes, I do. And it was a battle of wills, and I knew that her will was stronger than mine.
1: Interesting. Well, it seems like you've found your strong will after (laughs) however long it might have taken. All right, I'm going to stop you. I mean, my my
0: mother gave birth to herself. (laughs) (laughs) It was like... (laughs) Two, (laughs) two rocks hitting each other
1: there you go So one of the things you said earlier is that you view one of your highest priorities is protecting their physical and mental health. And I'm wondering if you have any specific thoughts or tricks or techniques or or anything about how you develop their healthy mental state. Look, I often feel that every other minute there's some new diagnosis that is being imposed upon just regular emotion right like you can't ever be sad you're depressed you can't ever be stressed right, right. you're anxious you can't you know everything that is just yes, normal human emotion is, um... has gotten a label and a drug to go with it and mm-hmm. and a therapy to go with it and mm-hmm extra time and extra benefits that also go with it, but also your self-image has changed. So I'm, I feel myself constantly in a little bit of a brawl with my kids because as they go to school and they see that a third of the class is diagnosed with something or other, they're like, ah, maybe I am. I mean, look, I'm disorganized. I had a whole discussion with my teenager about how I'm, you know, I must be ADD. And I'm like, I mean, maybe by what they diagnosed but meanwhile they didn't even have that when i was a kid and i got right, through college right. and i got through law school and i got through working and five kids and i don't know somehow i managed it all, worked out.
0: <laughs> it all worked out
1: yeah i mean i think a lot
0: of it has a social cachet especially when you are otherwise privileged which i think our children are i mean i don't know you well enough but i, th- I think that you know if you're like podcasting with five kids in new jersey i you know right you're, you're doing
1: okay i'm not struggling for my okay, next meal too. Right, right,
0: exactly. And, I, and we're doing okay, too. Me and my six kids, you know, we're all good. We're all good here. And this generation of privileged ch- kids feel that privilege very acutely and need to sort of give themselves a pathology in order to ex- absolve themselves of that privilege. Like, no, I actually have it very hard because I have XYZ. And and I think that the culture and our society incentivize that. And I could not the, agree more. One of the the best I don't read many parenting books because I just I, I don't I don't like the genre. Because you write um, them. <laughs> no, I mean truly I, I don't I don't like them. I think that people people put far too much thought into these things and and they sort of get in their heads too much and feel like they have to have like a theory and a philosophy and like, just, just chill out is the philosophy. Just like, <laughs> stop with this. And so one of the best parenting books that I've read recently, not that I've read many, so I'm I'm prefacing with this, is by Leonard Sachs. He wrote a book called The Collapse of Parenting. I only read it because four different friends who know me super duper well all told me I should read it. Uh, and I read it and I was like, oh, I was going to write that book
1: it has <laughs> it been done.
0: Like... Great job, Leonard Sachs. Uh, <laughs> he's a pediatrician.
1: Okay. And brilliant.
0: So he's a pediatrician and he kind of is writing from his clinical perspective of like, this is what's wrong with kids these days. And it's the collapse of parenting. Parenting is a verb and people are not doing it. They are gentle parenting their way into a box and letting their child emotionally and sort of by by sheer force of will, letting them rule the home. And he also talks a lot about this medicalization and this cessation of, of parenting. And so people say... You know, it's not that my child has never heard the word no, instead they have this XYZ disorder. And that's why they are completely out of control and rude and, you know, otherwise just a nightmare. It's because, and they like sort of put a label on it to to absolve themselves of their responsibility to parent that child and so the entire book is about, this is how you can actively parent and not be one of those people because it's not good. I mean, at the end of the day, kids need structure. They need guidelines. They need guardrails. And I think a lot of the reason why we're seeing the mental health crisis that we are outside of COVID is because children are being raised with, those, with a lack of responsibility and a lack of sort of clear guidelines of like, This is my role. This is your role. And mommy and daddy are in charge and we're not here to be your friend.
1: All right. Well, so in terms of what you're just speaking of, I wonder if you feel that being a Jewish parent, that your Jewish values help you set those boundaries, decide what they should be responsible for, or in any way influence how that works out in your life.
0: So... I I was telling you before we taped, I I don't know, it's hard for me to separate that in my mind because Judaism is like air. It's like hard to know why I do one thing, if that's because we're Jewish or another thing. But I will say on the topic of food, uh, I think that that is one of the, especially when kids are young, one of the most important ways that parents can and should set very clear guidelines And so, you know, when my kids, I mean, tonight we had, we had a meat meal. And so traditionally, if you're in a kosher home, which we are, you do not then follow that meal for three hours with anything dairy. And so after we ate dinner, my almost six-year-old said, I want to have yogurt. And I said, nope, sorry, no can do. And he's like, why not? I said, because we had a meat meal. That's it. And there is no debating that. And so I I think that, you know, Hashem, God, like prescribes things that we might not necessarily always understand. And in terms of kosher laws, I think a lot of what's wrong with our society is that we don't know how to limit ourselves in enough ways and we don't know how to uh, follow the rules, I guess. Everything is sort of, I feel, I I need to live my truth. I need to do this because I feel this. Feelings are really ruling a lot of our decisions as a society, individually. And so I think it's important from a very young age to establish there is just a red line. And one of the red lines in our house, you know, am I as strict with my three-year-old about kosher rules? No. Have I ever given her shrimp cocktail? No. Will she ever have a shrimp cocktail under my house, like under my roof? No. And so I think that it's important for kids to have those very clear no guidelines from a very young age.
1: We are also a kosher home and also Sabbath observant. And I feel like it's, it's my parenting partner, honestly, because they, they understand that There are certain rules that are strict, that we don't do these things on Saturday. They don't have any phones. They don't question about any phones on Saturday. You know, the rest of the week, they're like, well, why can't I have it? You know, it gives you that ability to be able to have time and a space where you are absolutely not doing it. And it's not on my shoulders to be the mean mommy this is for another reason this is because Mm -hmm. we are observant Jews and this is what we do and I think the same with you say with kosher whatever the rules are and for those who are not so observant and they don't feel the need to limit in those specific ways I do still think that you know wherever your Jewish identity might be I mean I know my house growing up we didn't keep strictly kosher we didn't keep strictly on Shabbat but it was absolutely not even a discussion that we could only date and marry Jewish people. And there was a limit and there was no, you know, that was something that my parents were just absolutely adamant about from the time we were little kids. And we knew that there was this rule. And like, look, if we had been, if we had chosen to cross that line, We knew that there would be hell to pay, even if they're, you know, even if maybe as adults would have done it. And I think that for my kids, yeah, having these things, it makes, it also makes it so much easier to understand when you have strict rules that are, have nothing to do with Judaism. The fact that we already have time set aside that that's not okay, makes it so much easier to set aside other time.
0: Yes, but we have, I've never been able to be strict. Like I've had rules come and go on screens before and the the rules have almost never come and gone when it comes to Shabbos. I can think of two examples of them being allowed a screen on a Jewish holiday or Shabbat. First time was Shabbat. The second time was a Jewish holiday. And it was because we had a family wide stomach virus and my husband and I literally could not leave the floor.
1: And so we were like,
0: Whatever it needs to happen, that you do, we do, we will never ask any questions. This is my password. Just saying it's going to say my password out loud very slowly. And if you go on the top bar and type in netflix.com, that's my password for netflix.com. If you decide to use that information in a way, And the other side of the room, that is your choice that you have to make today, and you can only make it today. And we've done that twice. And my kids, my kids talked about it for years. So we did it the first time, the first time my daughter was like three, and we let her watch it on Shabbat. And then the other time we were at a Passover, the Passover program in 2021, when we all got a stomach virus at this Passover program. And I let... I mean, we were all in a in a single hotel room, (laughs) and we all were throwing up.
1: Six of you.
0: It was so. At the time, yeah, there were six of us: so two parents and four kids, and I was pregnant.
1: And I was like,
0: "I'm just gonna let you. I don't care. I can't. I can't." It was
1: the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. That's why we have Yom Kippur. You know, sometimes, and I'm not. You just gotta do what you gotta do. Not (laughs) sorry.
0: It was so bad. so so uh, bad and so my kids are always like well sometimes when they're feeling like really spicy they'll be like well you let us watch that one time in utah and i'm like i thought i was dying in utah if we think i'm dying again then we can have a conversation about watching tv on Yentif. if not then the answer is still no
1: but they they knew it was boy, you like give them an inch man you give them an inch i know
0: i know they're like well you feel nauseous today, mom? And I'm like, No, I'm not. But it, it took of course like years for them to stop talking about those two times in their entire lives right, that they were right. allowed to watch a screen.
1: I want to go back to something you said in the beginning about how they're born persons and born individually and i'm curious if you feel that your kids were how much do you feel your kids were born with their personalities how much do you feel that they developed and also how much do you think that being part of a large family and the homeschooling and being together so much of the time has shaped them as people
0: so I think that parenting has really humbled me in a lot of ways, because there's, all of my kids have different personalities. And so I, I've never been able to be like, well, oh. I, I, I was not humble in the beginning. My first was very easy. And I was like, I'm just clearly a great mother. And that's I'm so, so awesome wonderful. at
1: this. <laughs>
0: so good, like right out the gate. I don't know what anyone else is complaining about. And then my <laughs> second was born. And he was really, really, really hard and he remains really 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 hard and it's because we have very different personalities and I find it difficult to be frank I find his personality to be difficult and it's funny because he has my husband's personality to a t and I like interact with him like how am I so happily married how do we (laughs) and it's and it's funny because I see him and my oldest fight and she has my personality and he has his dad's personality and they go at it. And my husband and I don't fight. We are not fighters ever. And maybe it's because like, he's just secretly biding his time before he kills me in my sleep. But I don't think so. It's a little morbid. <laughs> I don't know if he does, then everyone can sort of look back on this podcast and be like, well, it's part of her always new." Um, but maybe he had good
1: parenting and he regulated (laughs) those pieces that are yeah he has he he had
0: a very obnoxiously normal childhood um (laughs) yeah and i like i'll be like oh i remember this time i'm in a car in a parking lot to go to a a concert when i was seven and he was like "Hmm, that is not an experience i had like (laughs) yeah. Well, learn? tell me a couple um, more of those but, uh, experiences, and yeah, what experiences
1: no. are, are your kids having that they're going to be talking about to their spouses later.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I, Seth and I had to do marriage counseling in the very beginning of our marriage because of these very different sort of childhoods and and ways that we we communicate, and we had to have a marriage counselor sort of stand in the middle and be like, "So, when Bethany says this, this is this is what she means, and also, Bethany, don't say it like that." And this is what Seth hears, and this is this is how you say that that's what you heard, so you don't walk around thinking that she thinks this about you silently. Like, you have to verbalize how you're feeling, and, Bethany, you need to, like, be nicer.
1: You need to say things much nicer. Have you learned, is this a nice version of you? <laughs> well, Just talking about one, killing you in your sleep, that's a nice version. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
0: That yeah, is, it is the sad part. No, so I. It's funny because I like, I I try not to, but I I do intervene, sort of, you know, with some frequency, into their fights when I feel like I can I can help, and I just feel like I'm the marriage counselor, and I'm like, so, oldest daughter, this is how, you could say this in a way that's not so mean. Because right now you're being really mean and really judgy and also really bossy. And she's like, well, I get it from you. And I'm like, yes, I'm aware. <laughs> Just letting you know. And when I say, like, this is what your brother needs you to say instead. And then I tell my son, like, in response, you cannot lean across the table and grab her by the hair and try to maul her. I know that you have feelings, but you can't let them get to an eleven. Before you explode, you have to like do the release valve a little bit and express yourself before you get to a point where you want to murder her and then try to murder her.
1: That's um, like good advice, no matter what age.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. But I do feel like I'm like the marriage counselor. I'm like just drawing on that well of, of information and you know, whatever. But it's funny because my husband and I had very different everything. And, uh, You know, he was raised in like a very observant home. I was raised in this like hybrid Jewish Catholic home, whatever, all these things. And the biggest sort of hurdle for us in the beginning of our marriage was, uh, was the fact that he was raised in a Stepford normal family and and I was raised in a very not normal, very very not functional.
1: (laughs) Do you want to clue us in a little about what you mean?
0: Yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was three. My dad was a drug addict. I stopped seeing him completely when I was seven. I lived in a trailer park. My mother had absolutely no boundaries. Like she just like, I was her friend. And she would tell me things that I had no business knowing at any age. And and I sort of had to navigate all of that dysfunction. And I like look back on it now. And I'm like, Oh, my God, that was what I was doing when I was seven years old. like my 7 year old is not dealing with those things and i i you know i enjoy looking especially with my daughters and their relationship with their dad i'm like oh i was your age when i stopped seeing my dad and you still you know deeply adore him and my my daughters oh. both pretend like they're his he's their husband and they'll like
1: you know right
0: grab his face and be like honey i love you <laughs> Okay, right. okay. Mine. <laughs> but, I uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, and his, I mean, his parents are, you know, obnoxiously very normal. And his okay. sisters are obnoxiously very normal. And I'm just like, hmm, must be nice. <laughs> must be nice to be so normal.
1: All righty, all righty. <laughs> Is no he so normal? Such things? I, clearly he was drawn to no. someone who's, you know, not so normal. No. Or no, at least self-described that type, way.
0: If you if if you look at all the women he dated before me also he what? brother did not did not inherit the normalcy <laughs> from his oh, family
1: okay. everyone <laughs> before me
0: was also totally damaged goods so it wasn't
1: Interesting. well you know sometimes someone who i guess has a lot of inner resources maybe feels like they have a lot to give and sure. someone to, who couldn't be benefit from that um sure Sure. All righty. How do you, so, so you're saying that your kids kind of get into it quite a bit. Is that what you're saying? Even though they're homeschooling them. And you're with them all the time.
0: Some of them it's, it's funny to see the, the relationships. So my oldest, so I have girl, boy, boy, girl, boy, boy. And my youngest is like four months old. So obviously he's not really in the mix. The kids who are, Opposite genders who are the closest together in age fight like dogs. So my first and my second, and my third and my fourth, ah. constant, constant fights. But else, for the most part, gets along very well. And it's it's really interesting to see how like my third son gets along with everyone else, and then torments my fourth, like just absolutely freaking torments her and my first and my second I mean I've been watching them torment each other their entire lives and but they get along very well with everyone else like my my second my my oldest son doesn't fight with anyone else my oldest daughter doesn't really fight with anyone else she's she's more of an explosive personality she's like me a little bit but for the most part like the only real fights are between my first and my second and my third and my fourth and it's because they're the closest together in age and opposite genders and as much fighting as you'd think would happen in a family with six children we still have that amount of fighting but only just between these two
1: <laughs> and you think it's the gender that makes children. the difference you think that that's what i don't do you know. think the reason is i don't
0: what do they know they fight over it's like literally everything everything and anything under the sun and it's funny because i'm an only child and so i always saw sibling relationships in media as like really contrived and over dramatic and now i'm like oh no no all of those scenes on like <laughs> brady bunch and full house and all like hey we're all true you're all true oh so funny. I, i'm trying i'm trying to think of like uh, one one fight today was like my daughter had a friend over and they were playing hide and seek and the rules that she set were not were disagreeable to my oldest son and so then they fought and then my so my my third and my fourth are much younger they're like three and a half and almost six or f- almost four and six I don't know whatever but they're much younger and so the fights are like about toys so like
1: how old's your oldest one
0: will my oldest is almost 10 she'll okay. be 10 in October it's so not almost like nine and a half whatever so my like my almost six-year-old son will decide, like, I want to play with this car. And then that's the only thing that my daughter has ever wanted or will ever want in her entire life. And she must have that car this instant or she will die. And how do you resolve it? For the most part, I try not to get involved. Um, If there's, like, physical violence, which there often is, that's when I'll try to intervene. But I, I try not to intervene in the moment. But we're trying to negotiate a peace between my oldest two and we're trying to sort of teach them better fighting skills <laughs> like in, instead of saying this is like sort of drawing into the you know marriage counseling I'm like instead of saying I hate you because you make me look stupid all the time it's I dislike when you make when you talk to me that way because it makes me feel like you're trying to make me feel stupid or like some like a. I get it I, I feel versus like you're doing this and just trying to you know use the marriage counseling so you like the therapy and the marriage counseling at the end
1: of the day <laughs> yeah
0: I mean I'm just trying to like get the most bang for my buck as I can from those sessions from 10 years ago Funny, but yeah I mean just trying to teach them better communication skills.
1: I always felt Um, that the best thing I ever did when my kids would fight was literally just reflect back to them exactly what they said about the other one, because, you know, eventually it all came my way or I, you know, I'd be breaking them up from pulling each other's hair and they'd be like, but, but she did this, but she did that, but she, and I would just, everything that they would say, okay, well, she said you did that. Well, but she did this. Okay, well, did you hear that? She says you did that, and by the time I had gone back and forth three or four times, they were so annoyed with me that they're like, oh, "This is not worth it," and they'd figure it out. You know, they'd just go off and resolve it in some other way on their own. And I think that that was the best thing I ever did, honestly, because you know they need to learn how to resolve their own fights.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I try to I try to stay back as much as I can. Um, they, because they do need to learn to resolve their own stuff. But my older two, I mean, they're eight and nine. So I'm trying to, you know, equip them with not such...
1: No, it's so, so mean. <laughs> there to was me. a couple times I made when they would say like, I hate you, I hate you, or I hate that. My sister, I would say, okay, just write down when you calm down, write down three things you like about her. And that mm-hmm. was a pretty good one. And once in a while... Well, one of my kids is very emotional and she was the most often I hate, I hate, but also she, when she would write down like three things, it would end up being like 30 things to the point where my mom would be like, and what do you do when she, you know, I like my sister because she makes my breakfast and she cheers me up when I'm sad and she keeps me company and she
0: makes,
1: I, I was like, I love that my mom was like. Okay, well, it sounds like she doesn't need you anymore, honey. You know, that's good. I love it. You know, I'm curious why you didn't choose to send your kids to a Jewish school.
0: So a couple of reasons. First of all, the cost. We couldn't have six, so the cost is a huge one. We wanted to be able to save and, you know, whatever. And so we were thinking about sending to a charter school in East Brunswick. Sure, but then familiar. all this, like, yeah, all this craziness started hitting the public schools in New Jersey. And so I started following these like homeschool moms on Instagram who were Christian. And I was like, man, that looks amazing. And so I like really petitioned very hard to let my husband, let me do this. And he said, let's do it for kindergarten and we'll see. And kindergarten for my daughter was 2020, 2019, Uh. 2020. And so we spent that whole year saying, thank God we homeschool. And we've spent every year since saying, thank God we homeschool. And now, you know, she's about to finish third grade and everyone's really happy and everyone's thriving. And, and so we're like, why would we do anything else and spend a lot of money for not as, not as good of an education and live on other people's calendar and other people's schedule. Like we, we start our day very Slowly and very casually. And like, I had to go to New York for a work thing this week, very unexpectedly. I found out on Sunday night that I had to be in New York the next day. And I said, I'll take the two older kids and they can go have an unexpected play date with their grandparents. And they did. And it was because they weren't in school. And so we have this like flexibility that we wouldn't have otherwise.
1: Right. And the truth is that, you know, I am a little bit envious, honestly, because I work. Largely so that I can pay for school tuition. Yeah, no,
0: that's exactly what we thought too. Like, why? Why? Right. I mean, I
1: didn't when my kids were little. I did not. I I stopped working full time pretty much after my second, even before my second kid. And I didn't really work that much after I had kids at all. And wasn't until my fifth kid was already in kindergarten or pre-K, I guess, that I went back to work. So. I was home during those formative years and I would not trade anything for that. I really do feel like it shaped my life and my attitude towards my children, my relationships with my children and their relationships with each other. I don't know how parents who, you know, I, I don't, I could not do it like sticking my kid with, I was jealous of my nanny and I'm like, okay so here i am with my like fancy pants education and my fancy pants job and salary and i'm jealous of this woman who you know has nothing because mm-hmm. she's the person who gets she... to spend all day with my precious child i'm like why why am i doing this you know yeah no, that's exactly and right i mean a I, huge I... setback financially i mean it you know yeah
0: yeah, I mean, I I feel the same. I've I've had to put my kids in childcare a lot more this year than I've ever had to in or- because of this book. And I'm just so ready to be done with it. And I hate it. I have <laughs> dropped my one and a half year old a couple of times this spring, just so that I can like, like when I went to New York, he was there two full days in a row. And then I had to give a speech on Thursday. So he was there all day Thursday also. So like last week he was in three, day, three full days. And that's, I've never done that for anyone. And I've never even done it for him. I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. This is why I've stayed home with all of my kids. And I don't want to do this regularly. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real blessing to spend my whole day with all of my kids every day. And I, I say it constantly, like to my older kids, I'm like, thank God, you're not in school. I'm happier, you're happier. Like, this is great. Yeah. And like today, like because we missed school Monday, Tuesday, and and I had that speech on Thursday, like we didn't get enough school done during the week, and so we did school today. And I'm like, well, you know, we're catching up. And like, I it's I at the end of the day, I decide, like, have we done enough? And so like this year, it's been more laid back, and like I'm kind of like, we need to finish the math curriculum. We can't. I don't want to start behind. Like I want to start. In the, in the fall, everyone on level done. Like we're gonna get there and we're gonna have to do Sunday school for day, every week until the until the summer to get there. But they'll finish the math curriculum and then whatever. Everything else is just gravy.
1: Do you do a Jewish curriculum as well?
0: hmm Yeah. So my kids do this actually, she might be a good guest for you. Her name is Hani Kirshner. She runs she runs an online online Judaic school basically. On Zoom, she she lives in Boca and she pulled her four kids out of school, and she does Jewish studies classes for kids all around the country in the afternoons on Zoom, and including her own kids, she has her own kids log on.
1: Oh, very interesting. And does she have yeah, like a so, whole curriculum, like that you're going through? What like? So she does or holidays. I guess your kids are little. Yeah,
0: no, she does them. So she she has. If you go to gesherprogram.com dot she has her okay. schedule for next year, but she, it's all a la carte. And so she offers Kriya, which she calls reading and Humash one, Humash two, Humash three. And it's all by skill set. It's not by age. Uh, and Hebrew one, Hebrew two, Hebrew three. She does Navi for kids who are between the ages of like fourth and sixth grade. She does a Jewish history class for the same ages. She does a Parsha class for awesome. that older set set, Parshah for the younger kids, d which is like Jewish holidays for the younger kids and for those older, like fourth to sixth grade. And my kids do a lot of those classes. My oldest will be doing like, so some of the classes are twice a week, some of them are once a week. And so she's doing two twice a week classes and two once a week classes. And so she'll be doing like two classes a day, basically, which are only 40 minutes long. And my son... My oldest son will be doing two classes that are twice a week and then one class that's once a week. And then my youngest will be doing Korea, which meets twice a week and then another once a week class. So they all like, she has more class loads, but it's it's up to them. Like I, we sat down with them and I said, these are the classes that are non-negotiable and these are the options for other classes if you want to take other classes. And my daughter wanted to take literally everything and i was like okay but then we can never leave the house in the afternoon so if like if you want to sign up for every single class that's kind of kill your social life and she was like oh maybe i'll do these classes and these classes i'm like yeah but everyone sort of had their had their choice outside of like the required like my youngest who's going to be in first grade next year like kriya was not optional for him but everything else was, and he decided he wanted to take Parsha in addition. Oh. Um, and my older my other son did as well. At the end of the day, I'm like, we can do it better for no money or like very much less money. Right. Like for my three kids for my three kids to do these Zoom classes, it is eight thousand dollars for all three of them combined. That's a third of what one kid would be. That's what I'm paying for three of them combined. Oh, it's a little less expensive around
1: us, but okay.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like we have like total Well, look, if you look
1: at your, if you consider what you would have been paying in tuition to be added to what you consider your income, then, you know, your income looks a lot rosier.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, we have savings. Our kids have savings. We, we have a kid, we have an account for each kid. We have two accounts for each kid one for their bar bat mitzvah and one for their college education. And like, we are saving thousands of dollars per kid per year
1: in those accounts. I wish I could say the same. I wish I could say the same. We do not. But we're able
0: to do that because we're not paying tuition. Right. If we were, then we wouldn't have retirement savings. We wouldn't ever go on vacation. My kids wouldn't have any savings. And so like if they go through high school, and continue homeschooling, they can dual enroll once they hit high school in a community college. And then they can work at the pizza shop, Ben Yehuda, and they could graduate. I have friends who are doing this right now who are are Orthodox also. They're going to have their kids graduate from high school with enough credits to count for an associate's degree and like $20,000 in their savings account from their their pizza money, from their pizza job money. Probably more, honestly, probably more than 20K. So, like, that's the downside. They're still hanging out with friends, but the parents, like, know who the friends are and approve of the friends, and they keep their their nose to the grindstone, and they're working, and they're going to college, they're picking their course load, and they're going to graduate with enough credits that they're halfway done through college when they're finished with high school.
1: So crazy, man. That's it's great. I, I mean, that's
0: my hope. I would love to do that, and I think that my. I mean, I next year is because we're we're done having babies, and next year we're going to start.
1: Oh, like, that's what traveling you think. a little bit more. <laughs> well,
0: I'm I'm pretty dead set. <laughs> so, I mean, like we're going to travel more, and we're going to get in our get in our car and see some of the country, and and I I drive it home all the time. I'm like, we are only able to do this because you homeschool. Just reminding you
1: right right
0: we are only able to be at colonial williamsburg on
1: tuesday october 4th because you homeschool right right do your kids ever ask to go to to a typical school they've never
0: i mean my kid my kids thank god like you know walking distance they have two other homeschool friends and like that's not
1: anyway well we're running out of our time together and i'm just wondering if there's anything that you feel like you wish you had heard as advice when you were younger? Anything you've learned from having more kids that you didn't know when you had one or two? Hmm. So, I mean,
0: I think, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I had my kids very close together in age. I've had I had them basically like every other year for the last decade. So the time between two and six was actually very short. But I mean, I'm glad that I did it, I think is the answer. Like, I think that I was always afraid of having every single kid I was afraid to have basically, without exception. I was afraid to have my second. Probably the biggest fear I had was having my second because I was an only child and i didn't know how i could possibly love another child as much as i loved my oldest and i felt bad because i didn't want to divide my love and give her less of it and it turns out like the love does not divide it just grows and you will love this new person as much but also in a different way because they are a different person but you will like feel this like overwhelming love and and it doesn't it doesn't take and it doesn't detract from anyone else. And I think that probably my biggest fear when I had probably my third or my fourth was one of my girlfriends who had six at the time said, the only time I have like quality one-on-one time with my kids is in the emergency room. And I thought, how sad, I don't want to have that. And so we try the best that we can to have quality one-on-one time. It's very infrequent, but I try to be, mindful of it but also like today my sixth was in the rocker in the middle of the kitchen and every single other person in the family was standing around him talking to him and he was like oh my god this is a lot of people and he has so much attention and so does he have 100% of my attention like my oldest did no does he have five times as much attention as she had yes and that that is so incredibly valuable. And I, I would sort of just, you know, tell myself like everything it's all, it's all good. It all, it all ends well, even if you have like an absurd number of children.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, they, they all get something from each other. And so, you know, they get different things from you as you go along, but they also get different things from one another. And I think that's what makes big family life so much fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. I mean, awesome. yes, there's fighting, but it's, you know, they love, they love each other. I mean, my, my third is about to have his sixth birthday on Friday and they're all working on a group, an individual presence for him. And we're all talking about his birthday. Aww, and so sweet. It's just, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. And they've all been, you know, my oldest has been with polymer clay, making him presents like, it's just it's it's very sweet and very wonderful. And we're really blessed.
1: It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I, I love that you call yourself a pronatalist. I think I'm I'm definitely in that camp as well. I mean, obviously, with sensitivity, because <laughs> not everyone can or is in a position to be able to. But I definitely think that if you are and you're in the position to have a larger family you know, what's better than having another human being in the world and also Mm -hmm. another sibling for your kids and another, I feel like it's my insurance policy, you know, we didn't have so much money, but at least we'll have five chances that someone will support us in our old age, you know, all kinds of benefits. All right. All right. Terrific. Well, thank you so, so much, Bethany, for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about your own childhood and your kids and your marriage it's really there's momish nothing like it
0: (laughs) i love it is that how you end every
1: episode more or less So I just wanna thank everybody for joining us today and remind you that we really, really wanna hear your feedback. So excited to hear all of the comments from people, the little voice messages and the emails. Please drop a note in our lunchbox. That's lunchbox at M o m m a s h M-O-M-M-A-S-H.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love your suggestions of who we should have on a guest and we are going to be wrapping up this section on large families and moving on to a new topic. And I would love to hear what you would like to hear about. So please let us know. Take care and have Momish the best day.